welcome back to the Don't Mom Alone podcast. I'm your host, Heather McFadden, and this is the place where I get to walk alongside you and connect you with people and resources so you know that you don't mom alone. And this is our second week of the summer of mentorship. This year, we're doing something a little different. Instead of just republishing older episodes, we are having new conversations with past guests. And today's guest is Lisa Apollo. In that moment, I thought, you know, this isn't the childhood I wanted for you, but God is so present in it and can do so much for them in it. And so just leaning on that, just grieving the childhood I wanted for them, grieving the one that I planned for them, but realizing that God has so much for them still, and that this was an intentional, purposeful chapter, Mm. just really helped me make that shift. Lisa first came on the show back in 2015. It was episode 84. We put a link to it in the show notes. And it was in that episode that I learned about Lisa's story and the challenges she's walked through. I think today's episode is going to encourage you all over again about what sustained her in incredibly hard circumstances. How do you walk through grief as an individual and with your kids? She is the mom of seven and she has a new book that has come out called Life Can Be Good Again putting your world back together after it all falls apart. And we put a link to that in the show notes so you can check it out. But let's get today's conversation. Here we go. Lisa, welcome back to the Don't Mom Alone podcast. Thank you for having me, Heather. It feels so good to be back. I was so early in my like ministry. It was seven years ago, seven years ago. Yeah, a lot has happened and, you know, personally in our family and God has just brought me a long way. So, and then, and you as well. Yeah. So good to be back. We've done a lot in the last seven years. Seven years is a long time. It is. A lot of life. It's a lot. It's like a decade almost. Um, And we're going to point people to that episode. Not only did you come on the show then, we republished it for our summer of mentorship 2017. And so if, Someone's listening now and they've been a longtime listener. They may remember your name and your story. If y'all are new to listening, please go check out that episode so you can hear the whole of Lisa's journey. But we're going to give a little snippet and we're going to talk through Lisa's mom brand and what God's taught her and how she can mentor us today through that. So I would love it, Lisa, if you would take just a few minutes. I know your story is so amazingly hard and good, all mixed in, like all stories are, but introduce us a little bit to it and share what's happened in your life. Okay. So I'm a single mom of seven and, you know, five are launched now. I don't think I had all that seven years ago, but they launched quickly like little ducks, you know, leaving the (laughs) nest. And that's a whole nother pain, but, um, and I have two at home that I'm actively still parenting. So who are in high school, you know, I was, I I was thinking back through my motherhood journey and, you know, I was a working mom, full-time working mom at first, and then a part-time working mom. And then I came home and I was in the house and we grew to seven kids. And I was just kind of the hub of the wheel of the family, just getting everybody where they needed to go and the you know, what moms do. And then one day on one Friday morning, I woke up to my husband's final breaths 
And he had not been sick. There had been no signs or had been nothing that we had seen. So this just came out of nowhere. And, you know, we did the CPR. We, the paramedics were right outside our neighborhood. They were there. I didn't even get through two rounds of CPR and they were there and took over. But within, you know, they took him to the emergency room and I followed and within probably an hour of being there, they took me to that room you never want to go into and said that they had worked on Dan for over two hours and they had never been able to resuscitate him. And so in one night's sleep, like life just imploded and not, not just for me, because part of as painful as it was, I thought, you know, I am a big girl. I'm an adult. I can take this. But for my kids who were four and six and 12 and had them all the way up to 19 was our oldest, you know, to have a childhood without their dad, I just, it was more painful than carrying my own pain and something that I couldn't carry for them. I couldn't fix it for them. So that has been our reality is walking through that raw pain and navigating that, helping them navigate it, learning how to parent all over again as a single mom. That's been my last decade. And when did you lose Dan? What year was it? That was summer of 2011. Wow. Okay. And like I said, y'all can hear more of her story in that. If you go back to that episode, thank you for sharing with us again. I'm sure each time it's hard, even when it's been 11 years. And today we're talking about your mom brand. And it's interesting to me to consider how that shifted for you. It almost gives permissions to moms who have seen that in their own life. And they're thinking, is there something wrong? Because things have shifted in my life. Major events have happened, whether it's a loss through death or through divorce or through, you know, whatever tragedy, maybe it was even a job shift or career. Sometimes we question, is it okay? Is it okay that are my kids going to be okay? And so talk to us about your family values, because I thought it was really interesting when you told me earlier about how you wondered could this be the same without my husband here? Could we hold this vision that we have as a family with our family shift? And so what was that like for you? What did you value? What did you have in as vision for your family as a parent? I think early on, we always had a vision that our kids would love the Lord with all of their heart, their mind, their soul, and their strength. And um, I don't know that I was super intentional with that until really my oldest was like, five or six. And I had brought him home from school. I had five at that point, just five little you know, kids. <laughs> and I was homeschooling for the first time. And another thing that I never thought I would do. Right. And um, I began to teach Bible to them. And um, it was the first time for me, I had been in Bible studies and I had read my kids like Bible story books, but the first time really opening the word together as a family and creating this discipline, this like daily practice of opening the word. And it did not look fancy. I mean, I think the first I'm remembering back those first weeks, we were like piled on my, my bed, you know, my king size bed. And then we would, we shifted to the living room and we had a time we'd start every morning, but we would start our day because we'd get up, get dressed, do their chores, you know, have breakfast. And then we'd have to meet at a certain time. And we start every day with Bible time. And I remember thinking, um, because there were a lot of days that went, you know, that phone call would come or I'd have to stop all the teaching because 
I needed to work on character for a child or we had doctor's appointments or whatever, you know, that took us out of the house. We didn't get a lot of school work done, but I remember just kind of coaching myself, Lisa, like if you get nothing else done today, but you prioritize and you carve out and you guard this time to open the Bible, then it's been a good day. It's been a worthwhile day. And like I said, it did not look fancy. I don't think we ever used any kind of devotional. I just started with Genesis because that's what I knew to do as a young mom. And we read through it, such a narrative, it's such a story, you know, so it's very easy for kids. And we would read a passage or read a chapter and then close it and then kind of get a fresh download from whatever God was teaching me to them as they grew, they could share. But we began this pattern and I don't think I knew it at the time. I knew I was fighting for that time because I knew it was a fight every morning. Like I wanted to do math or I wanted to do those other things on my to-do list. It was so tempting to just get through that or or skip it altogether. Mm. I don't think I knew at the time that when I looked back, those would be some of the most sweetest treasured times and how they would be deposits in each one of our like spiritual banks that we would Mm -hmm. need to draw from, Mm -hmm. you know, as a young mom, I was learning along with my kids. I think sometimes we think we have to have it all figured out and I didn't, but to be able to open the word and read through scripture and we memorized it too. That was another thing that I had never had. I had never had this as a kid. And I think that's why it was important for me growing up. I had been, we were taken to church every Sunday But that, other than that, and the blessing for our dinner every night, there was no talk of God. And so I really wanted to have a home where we authentically brought God into our conversations, our teaching, what God is teaching me, what God was doing, you know, all of that. So it wasn't just in this formal little Bible time. It was in our conversations around the table, in the cars, we listened to music, all of that. Yeah. And how did that? shift for you? Did you, you'd mentioned something about worrying that you couldn't hold up that vision or those values. Talk to me about that. Yeah. I think at first, uh, of course, at first we were in survival. I was in survival mode. So I wasn't even thinking about long-term vision. I was fearful that um, my kids would act out. I was fearful for their, their medical future. I was fearful Mm -hmm. for my finances. We are a single income family. I had to really navigate through a lot of that. And I was teaching my kids through that. I mean, we talk about living authentically. I didn't go to my room and do all my crying or my figuring out. We still use that Bible time. And I remember like, I think the first time after the service and everybody had gone home, us sitting around the living room and having our first like Bible time and just being able to talk and thinking what a privilege it was that we had created this time Mm. that was now very natural for us to fall into every morning. And, you know, I can remember them looking at me kind of like leadership, what now? And, um, you know, in those times, God just will really give you the words because I didn't have any pre-planned anything to say to them at any Mm. point, but just authentically being able to walk out my relationship with Christ and their relationship. And I think as time went on, I realized that even though so much had changed, you know, the rhythm of our home, even relationships can change when there's a death in the family, especially the death of a father, but the death of a sibling or, or, you know, anything like that, uh, it can shift relationships. 
And even in all of that change, um, I remember realizing that the vision held that what we wanted for Mm -hmm. our kids was for, for them to love the Lord, their God with all of their heart, mind, soul, and strength. And it, God could do far more of that through this painful season than probably he could have in all the other days. Mm -hmm. Not that he doesn't work through those days in Bible teaching, but the lessons come hard and clear in pain. And um, I knew my, we would have to grapple with real issues about death and eternity. And why does God allow these things to happen and fear and all of those things we did. Mm-hmm. And so in their own life, as they had to wrestle through this loss and this gaping hole that they would always have of not having their dad and finding God, father to the fatherless, mm-hmm. that God could really help them own their faith in such a deep way. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. What I hear you saying is this value of your kids loving the Lord, their God, but that they're mind, soul, strength was something God gave you that you leaned into. And because of it, it was the thing that held up when the circumstances changed, when the loss came. And it's such a great reminder to each mom listening. That may not be her mission statement or value statement. We're not saying everybody has to do that, but that you leaned into it and and chose it for yourself. And that it stayed a priority even when routine shifted and you had to become the primary breadwinner that this ritual or this routine or this vision you had for your family, because you leaned into it and made it your brand, it was what sustained you through one of the hardest, through the hardest time, I'm guessing in your story. So thank you for sharing that with us. Thank you for reminding us too, that It's not just in the highlight reel that our kids grow and are sanctified, not to try to keep them from pain or suffering, but it is through those things with God's faithfulness that grows their faith. And so I think that's a good reminder for all of us. Okay, I have been counting down the weeks until I get to share this partner with you. I have been taking AG1 for a while now, and I'm telling you, years ago, I had my blood work done. I discovered also that I have leaky gut. I have all kinds of issues that prevents me from absorbing nutrients the way you traditionally think of with like a pill. So what's great is with one scoop of AG1, I am absorbing 75 high quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source, superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens. So I'm starting my day off right. I usually do it first thing because I want to break my fast. You know, the when the sleeping happens, that's you're kind of not eating then. So I want to start my day off with this kind of nutrition. And I've also loved, they sent me um, some liquid vitamin D. And for some reason, it's again, I need to absorb via liquid. And I'm really drastically low on vitamin D without this supplement. And we live in Texas. It's pretty sunny. I'll just tell you that it costs less than $3 a day. So you're investing in your health and it's cheaper than a cold brew habit. It's also really friendly with my other diet goals, which is um, low sugar. So it's less than a gram of sugar, no GMOs, no nasty chemicals. It tastes healthy. So if you like the taste of 
health and real food, you're going to like the taste of AG1. Uh, it also has over 7,000 five-star reviews. And if you compare it to other options similar to it, a lot of people speak really highly of the product. So I'm not alone in liking it. So right now, it's a great time to reclaim your health moms, arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop in a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills. We won't take them anyway, right moms? Uh, and to look out for your health, to make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D, it's amazing, and five free travel packs with your first purchase. So you can take it on the go wherever you're traveling. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com forward slash DMA. Again, that's athleticgreens.com forward slash DMA to take ownership over your health, pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. I'm curious, we always talk about a calling is to go and make disciples. We're all given that calling, but then there's various assignments we're given. And it seems to me that you have been given a very unique assignment as a single mom, as a widow. And so talk us through that. How have you embraced that assignment, even though it's one you wouldn't have wanted for yourself? Yeah, I think I'll always see my assignment primarily and first as parenting my children. Like yeah. if I don't get, if I get all the other stuff right, then don't get that right. Yeah. Then I will live with regret. Not that there, not that there's an outcome that we can expect, but that I need to put the work in while I can, because mm-hmm. I have adult kids. I know there comes a point where you don't get a vote anymore. You know, when do you think that happens? When you stop getting vote. I feel like I'm already on the hours. Okay. Yes. Okay. Okay. So they go to college and they call you and they ask, and then sometime in there, you realize they're making decisions and they didn't even call you and you didn't get a vote. You just, you know, your, your words are still in their head. You're well, interestingly, my daughter said, my oldest daughter said to me, um, walking through her, her through a, a season, she said, mom, you don't think I'm listening to you, but I am. She told me that later, you know, mm-hmm. because we'd have these phone calls. Well, it felt like I was talking to a brick wall and I was even holding back on my words. But yes, as parents, I think that if I think that if we are authentic with our kids, I just think there's so much that they will receive from us if they see we're not asking them, we're not expecting something of them or asking something or telling them something and then walking different, you know? And that means, you know, for my own parenting, walking authentically was like saying, I'm sorry, saying I got it wrong. Mm -hmm. You know, when I was discipling my children as a single mom and I was a student all over again, I did not do it perfectly. I parented out of fear for sure. Mm I wanted a strong spine for my teen boys. Mm-hmm. And so I was asking God for that. I was kind of like trying to develop that strong spine because I, I knew that they, when they went to their dad, he would say something and they would just kind of like, okay, receive it. But with a mom, there was always a little push, you know, mm-hmm. and um, I was having to be bad cop and good cop, but then I would turn to my daughter and it would be too hard. I had to soften. I couldn't have that strong. She didn't need that strong spine part of me. But I think that learning to be a disciple for me was just learning how to single parent all over again and really relying on God for a lot of the things that Dan would do. And I don't mean that pie in the sky. I mean that very, very practically. And if anybody is listening and you are either in 
a marriage that you're not equally yoked. And so you don't feel like you can go to your husband for wisdom, maybe, or you're, you've been, you know, your husband has walked out, your spouse has walked out, or there's some kind of situation where you are pretty much showing up singly, or you're a widow, you know, God very much will give you the wisdom and the insight and the guidance and the direction that you would have gone to with your husband. You are really not a team of one and it's perfect wisdom. And this happened very practically for me. So in discipling my kids, I mean, like one of the things I remember with one of my sons, he wanted to start dating a girl and we had always had this rule. It was just our thing that we wanted them to kind of work on themselves and then start dating after high school. So we said, you have a lot of work to do on your own heart and your own relationship with the Lord. And that's a distraction. And it kind of you know pulls you away. And we are happy with you being with groups and seeing that you like somebody and seeing what you like about that person, but to really pair off one-on-one, we just, that was our thing. We wanted them to be graduated from high school. Well, my, it was uh, senior year. One of my boys came to me and wanted to date a girl and I love the girl, but we had this rule and I was very new to single parenting. And I thought, this is the, this is it. If I give in on this, they're all watching how I do. And I'm going to lose all authority in my house. And if I don't win this, I'm not going to win any, anything from here on out. Mm -hmm. And so he and I really had a lot of conversations and they were not heated. They were not arguments, but they were they were very passionate, you know, and it caused me to step back, talk about, you know, looking at your vision again and to say, do I, was this something that I just was doing because it's legalistic or do I have, do we have good reason for this? Is this something that I can still say, I believe in it and I prayed through it and I did. And so I went to him, but he was also a senior. And I said, look, I believe in this strongly. And I think it's the best for you but you're a believer and you have a relationship with the Lord. And I had seen that. I had seen fruit. He was mature. He was not rebelling in any other area. So this was not rebellion. And I said, so I am going to turn this over to the Lord. And if he wants to rebuke you in this, (laughs) or he wants to somehow guide you in this, he can do it far better than me. So I would rather you do it the way we've, we've asked, but I'm going to let you make that decision. I think as single moms, that was a, for that, for me, that was a real turning point to say, um, I can rely on the Lord to come in and parent these kids better Mm. than I ever could. Mm. That's really helpful. I think that's really, it's good for all of us, right? Whether we're a single parent or not to lean on the parenting ability of God and our kids' hearts. But yeah, I think that that's interesting to think through if your first assignment is your kids and discipling them, how that shifted for you as a single parent and required you to grow in a new way. If you had to consider as your family moved into this new dynamic and you said you were so, you were so authentic and open with your grieving process and you had this routine of Bible time, what are the things helped you flourish? How helped you move through the grief, acknowledge it, feel the feelings, but also have hope and believe that life could be good again? Like what, what helped you in that process? Yeah. I think that all the years that we had put in together in our Bible time, which was not only just God teaching us through his word, but kind of this shared experience, this shared growing together. Yeah just kind of knit us together, 
not that we were perfect by any stretch, not that I was a perfect mom by any stretch, you know, but this thing I did get right. And I will say for all of my days, it was worth it to guard that time. And I'm still fighting for it today. I have two in the house and our schedules are much, much different. And I'm still fighting for that time. And what time have them. you figured? I'm like two high schoolers. What? <laughs> right. Like, it's I feel like hard. mine, I feel like mine like fell off and my younger two are missing out because they are not getting the Bible instruction that I gave my older two. So that is really good. And I get it. Um, and I think the fact that we know that it's valuable And of course, the enemy would love to steal that time. We just have to fight for it. So for me, it's when my son gets home from his school and we haven't left for dance yet with my daughter. (laughs) And that's different every day. But it's just saying, push pause. Let's all come together. And how do you initiate that? Like I'm getting like brass tacks. Like you just say, hey guys, it's Bible time. Like you call, you have a name for it. I mean, everybody calls things different things, you know, but your family, it's called Bible time. And sometimes there's attitudes and sometimes oh, yeah. it's been the first, you know, five minutes talking about an attitude or go back upstairs and come back down. And, but you know what? A family cannot do Bible time together and keep those bad attitudes. Like you just, as a mom, if I'm going to sit down and teach Bible with my kids, I really can't stay angry at a child. And so there is, there are just so many benefits of sitting down and doing that. It's not just to check off a box. It really is not. It is really to to pass on intentionally. We know they're getting it at church. We know they're getting it at youth group. They might be getting it at school or other places, but to pass on and to make it personal because when we, when you open the word together, then you get to apply it to what's going on right then and there, you know? So I think that was um, continued to be, and I will say in those early months, we didn't always just read the Bible. That was the first time I really brought in other books and other things that I wanted. One of the things that we started to read was Heinz Feet on High Places. Yeah. Anybody's read that? Just a treasure. There's a children's illustrated version that is gorgeous and rich and deep. It does not mince the lessons, you know, even though it's on a, it's a children's storybook basically. And I read that with all of my kids, even my teens, and we read two pages together and there was so much there. We would kind of close it and then talk about it and unpack it. So I think that helped us because it was a time every day for, for a family who's going through something. A lot of times it's hard to get kids to open up and talk about it. And so having that time every morning provided a place where we could do that, where that conversation could happen very organically. And sometimes they might talk and sometimes they might just listen, but at least we were doing it that, you know? If you are in a place where you are looking for a refresh of your wardrobe, let me tell you about Stitch Fix. And before you're like, no, I've already tried Stitch Fix. It didn't work for me. Let me just let you know something that may be different than the last time you tried it. Now, not only can you, of course, fill out the style quiz and tell them what you like and what you don't like, you can tell them what's already in your closet. And when you schedule a fix, They will preview it to you. They will send you a preview of your fix and you can leave requests and feedback for your stylist before the items even ship. So you you get more say in whether the items work for you. The goal of Stitch Fix is to have a match. They want it to be something that you love. So they're gonna send you five pieces that you get to try on at home. You keep what works and you send back what doesn't. The shipping, the returns, and the exchanges are easy 
and free. And there is no subscription required. Like I said, you just schedule that next fix and you preview it and it will ship out to you. I also really love the kids option. If you've never done Stitch Fix Kids, check that option out. Sign up today at stitchfix.com slash DMA to get $20 off your first purchase. That's stitchfix.com slash DMA to get $20 off your first purchase. It's a limited time offer. Purchase within two days of sign up. Don't you love when you make a small change and then suddenly everything becomes so much easier? That's what it's like when you start hiring with Indeed. If you're in a position where you are looking for employees, Indeed is the hiring platform where you can attract, interview, and hire all in one place. Instead of spending hours on multiple job sites, searching for candidates with the right skills, Indeed's a powerful hiring partner that can help you do it all. You're going to find great talent faster through time-saving tools like their instant match, assessments, virtual interviews. With their instant match, over 80% of employers get quality candidates whose resume on Indeed matches their job description the moment they sponsor a job. And one of the things I love about Indeed is that it brings hiring all in place and it becomes so easy because when you sponsor an Indeed post, you are four and a half times more likely to get a hire according to Indeed data worldwide. And Indeed's doing something no other job site has done. With Indeed, businesses only pay for quality applications matching the sponsored job description. So visit indeed.com slash DMA to start hiring now. Just go to indeed.com slash DMA, indeed.com slash DMA, terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. And then when you were like, everyone's going off to school, you weren't homeschooling anymore. Right. And you were working outside the home. Is that right? I've always worked inside the home. Okay. There you go. Yeah. So I still do homeschool. One of my children has started doing the last few years, kind of like a, I think they call it a university program. I don't know. Two days Mm -hmm. out, three days in. Mm -hmm. Um, One still does all homeschool with some online stuff. So it definitely looks different because I don't have the bandwidth anymore that I used to because, you know, I work in the home. But um, yeah, still try to do that. And I think the other thing that really helped us flourish after loss was just having grace with each other. Because honestly, there were some times that looked pretty messy in our home and people grieve differently. And my boys didn't always understand my girls. And um, there was a time with one of my children, especially where I had to kind of just step back in all of my homeschooling and say, I am here for you and I am for you, but you're going to have to figure, like, I just had to step back. Let's just say that from all teaching and all of that, because I, the relationship was more important at that point. And whether, whether that child chose to make mistakes and did make mistakes, preserving our relationship was more important in that season. And it lasted. We did preserve our relationship. We did make it through, but it looked messy at the time. And I was, on my own making those decisions. So it didn't, it didn't always look perfect. And there were many, many times I thought this would be so much easier if their six foot three dad were here and he was just, you know, they could answer to him and this, or I could go lay my head on the pillow and say, are we doing the right thing? Mm. Is it going to be okay? Mm. But I think, you know, working through those seasons and just depending on the Lord's wisdom in them 
and walking each child through their grief and their maturity and their, you know, all of that just helped us. I didn't always see the flourishing right there in the home, but I can see it now in each one of their lives. I don't know if that answered it. I feel like that was a messy answer because there, it wasn't a pat answer. Yeah. Yeah. Grace, consistent time together, space yeah. for them to share. Yeah. And so, okay, this is summer mentorship. So what helped you flourish in the summer? What did summers look like? Like, were there rituals, routines, or traditions that kind of anchored your summers as a family? Yes. Summers, historically, summers were always, we would write a summer bucket list. So that was always fun because for me as a homeschooling mom, I was like, I am off the clock. This is awesome. (laughs) So we would, everybody would kind of pick their thing and their thing would go on the bucket list. Like if one thing could happen this summer, what would it be? And then we would have, I would always have a summer reading challenge. So I'd make up for the kids. I would make up a book list for them. As they got older, they kind of filled out their own book list, but they would have a summer reading challenge. And every week, if they met that little summer reading challenge, there would be a fun thing. And it would be like, go get a shaved ice, which we only have here during the summer. You know, it was always different things. And they would, I would pick the prizes or they would pick the prizes. And I, can I tell you how motivating that is, even for teenagers to just, do that. And they looked forward to it. We we put it on a poster board and put it up in our house. So that was, um, actually I did not do that last summer and I don't know if I'm going to do it this summer. This summer is going to look very different too, with a lot of camps and, and travel and big kids coming home, but that for most of our years anchored our summer and made it shifted us into summer and kind of just gave us a flavor of fun while also having kind of things to work on, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Some structure and some, I have a really hard time motivating mine. So I think I give them the shaved ice without the reading. That was my mistake. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, let's do the fun. And it's no, there's no like prompt for the fun. So yes, that's great. Now those are really, really good ideas. And y'all, I want you to know that Lisa has put even more of her story and her wisdom in her new book, life can be good again. You can check it out. It comes out. uh, It's already out. It's already out when you listen to this. And the subtitle is putting your world back together after it all falls apart. And so if that resonates, whatever falling apart is for you right now, I know that the hope that is in it, the wisdom, the truth about who God is when we're struggling and we're suffering, I think will be an encouragement to you. So Thank you, Lisa, for being a part of our Don't Mom Alone community and our summer mentorship and for sharing with us today. I'm really honored to get to share you with others. Thank you for having me. I, you know, I'll just, if I could just add one thing. Yes, I'd love it. I remember thinking one day, watching my son walk up on the beach by himself, who's about 11, thinking this is not the childhood I wanted for you. Mm. He was carrying his dad's surfboard. And in that moment, I thought, you know, this isn't the childhood I wanted for you, but God is so present in it and can do so much for them in it. And so just leaning on that, just grieving the childhood I wanted for them, grieving the one that I planned for them, but realizing that God has so much for them still, and that this was an intentional, purposeful chapter just really helped me make that shift. It's good for all of us that are trying to orchestrate or script out um, what we hope our kids experience. So 
Thank you for these great reminders and truths. And I hope I get to see you in person soon again, like I did a couple summers ago. Texas or Florida. Texas or Florida. All right. Have a good one. Thank you. You too. Okay. I hope you all were inspired. Remember, we're learning about other people's mom brands and you do not have to do exactly what Lisa did. But if it has stirred something in your heart and you do have a passion to disciple your kids in God's word and spend more time in God's word, I want to equip you. So um, I did, I w- after this, I was really inspired to guide my own boys. And so there is a write the word journal for kids that I pulled out for my 10-year-old. Now he has decided he doesn't want to write out the scripture, but he's fine reading the scripture. So that's what was our compromise. So each day this summer, he's starting his day just finding a passage in the Bible he wants to read. He decided to start at the beginning because that's, I think, a perfect 10-year-old way to approach it. And then for my 12-year-old, there's a boy's devotional that I have, and he's really been liking that. And I didn't ask him to do this, but there's a scripture at the bottom of each devotional, and he kind of takes it on himself to come find me, and he tells me that scripture, which is great. But um, I just want to encourage you that whatever you're feeling a pull about, whether it's your own time in God's word, whether it's time as a family or um, with particular kids, listen to that as conviction or um, just a, a direction. It doesn't have to be perfect. It doesn't have to be you know how sometimes if you miss a time or a day on any kind of habit you're building, you kind of give up the whole habit? Maybe this conversation has spurred you to restart a habit, whether it's spiritual or physical or emotional, whatever habit it is, um, to see the value in pursuing it if that's something that you want for your brand. I also, personally, I've always used write the word journals or I've been in Bible studies, but a friend, um, Angela Parrott, she runs Love God Greatly. It's a ministry where they translate Bible studies into over 40 different languages. She um, releases regular Bible studies, but she also has a Bible she released and she has this great journal that you can get to go with it that has reading plans, Bible reading plans in it and kind of guides you through a SOAP study method if you've ever done a SOAP method. Each letter stands for some part of it. You're writing out the scripture, you're making observations and applications, and then there's a prayer. That's S-O-A-P. Anyway, I found it really helpful. It's just something to refresh my own time in God's word. So I thought I would point you to that. I'll put all the links to those things. Um, The kids write the word, the adults, the boys devotional, and the Love God Greatly. She has a young women's Love God Greatly Bible too. If you have a preteen, teen girl, Um, That could be a great gift option. I'm going to pray over us. And yeah, I'm going to pray over us. Oh, Lord, I, I pray for Lisa. I thank you for her testimony of your faithfulness in the midst of incredible grief and loss and challenge as a single mom. I pray, Lord, that you would bring her comfort today, even, Lord, that she would feel your nearness and grace. And I pray for each of us that we would lean into you as our parenting guide, that we would trust that you know what you're doing in each of our kids' lives and that we can surrender them to you. I pray that we would have intentionality in what matters to us and that we would pursue those things, um, not because we think we should, but because we're feeling directed by you to do them and we don't know the why. We don't know why you are directing us to do that, but you do. And I pray we could trust you in that. 
Pray all these things in your son's name. Amen. All right, y'all. I hope you are enjoying the summer of mentorship. If you haven't gathered with friends to discuss, no problem. You can do that anytime. We are putting the discussion questions in the show notes. You just text a friend and say, hey, you want to listen to this Lisa Apollo episode and we can grab coffee and talk about it? Done. Or we can meet at the pool or park, whatever. We just want you to get a taste of what it's like to be a part of a podcast club. And the summer of mentorship is a easy way to dip your toe in. There's my summer analogy. All right, I'll meet you back here next week for another great mentor episode. Adios. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Don't Mom Alone podcast. If you're wanting to connect with more people and more resources to help remind you that you're not alone, head over to don'tmomalone.com. That's where you'll also find show notes with any links mentioned by our guests. Most importantly, I want you to know the good news, the great news that you're not alone because God has promised to always be with you. With faith in Jesus Christ, the one who died for you and rose again, Jesus said when he left, he was going to leave a helper, a comforter to be with us. God in us, moms, that's superpower. So while you're washing dishes at your kitchen sink, while you're driving to and from work, while you're feeding that baby late into the night, while you're cleaning sticky floors, God promises to be just as present with you as when you're worshiping in a church pew. As it says in Zephaniah three seventeen, the Lord your God is with you. He is mighty to save. He takes great delight in you. He will quiet you with his love and he will rejoice over you with singing. Now that's good news. Have a great day.